The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster at NBC Chicago for 17 years. I'm the baby boomer. I'm Jason Commander, freshman at UT Austin, and I'm Generation Z. Now, I can't even say that Jason and I don't always get along because the fact of the matter is that for the first time in his lifetime, 18 years, Jason is living away from home. He's at college, so we really can't fight at all. Uh, Yes, we do still share a mutual love of sports, and Jason is super lucky because you get to go to college football games. How is school going, Jason? School's going really, really well. Um, I'm having a really good time down here. I've met some good people. I've gotten all my schoolwork done, went to some football games, had an experience winning football, but uh, the weather's great. The food's great. The people are great. Not really too much to complain about. I love it. What's it like going to uh, live football games? Because we, we here in Chicago have no idea what that's like. Um, it's really, really nice. It is really, really nice. It's something that I feel like we all took for granted back before COVID. And when you're without something for a couple months, something that you really care about, uh, it's um, it's quite the joy when it comes back. So, been to a few football games out here. It's been a really good time. Again, haven't really won too, won too many of them, but um, regardless, I can't complain. I'm just happy the sports are back. In this episode, the Bears, they're 5-1, and one, three games shy of the midway point of the season, and yet, Jason, I don't know if you can figure this out in Austin, Texas, but here in Chicago, fans are not happy. It's the typical Chicago Bear fan that is not happy with the 5-1 record. It's perplexing. The offense isn't great. The defense is great. Yet they are finding ways to win. People in Chicago are not happy. Does that surprise you? No. God, no. That does not surprise me in the slightest. Not in the slightest does that surprise me. No. But I will say this, the people from Chicago that I know here, everybody's very excited. And all of my buddies who are going to school all across the country that are big Bears fans are even more excited. So I think that once you leave Chicago and you don't have to experience the losing firsthand, it's a lot easier to love the team. Yeah, it's been um, the typical, you're you're not happy with the success. And even uh, Matt Nagy last week after their win over Carolina and Nick Foles felt the same way. They were like, listen, we know it was winning ugly, but geez, at least let us celebrate that we're 5-1. and one. Yeah, I, I don't even really think that the Carolina win was winning ugly. That was a game like where they thoroughly led from like kickoff to kneel down and that was the first win where, as a matter of fact, I think that we saw like four full quarters from the Bears. And the Buccaneers win, absolutely nobody should have been complaining about. The Falcons win, I don't see how you can complain when you come back from down 20. I could see how the Lions win was 
was really messy, and especially the Giants win. But these, the last three wins in the last four games have all been more impressive as they went along. Like I said, the Buccaneers' win was more impressive than the Falcons' win. The Panthers' win was more commanding than the Bucks' win. And now playing the Rams on Monday Night Football at home as six-point underdogs, this is the biggest test of the season. And if the Bears can win this one, I think the people will finally start taking them seriously. Do you think that they're a good team? I think that they're a good team, not a great team. So you need a, you need to have a great offense and a great defense in order to succeed in the playoffs. Now there are obviously exceptions, but when there are exceptions, one unit of the ball is so much better than than the other one. And is that like is that like some sort of like a godly level? So I think that like one of the most commonly like thrown out there teams is like one of like the best units in history was. I think it's the 04 uh, Baltimore Ravens or the 2001 Baltimore Ravens. I wasn't really around back then, so I wouldn't know. But that Ravens team had a horrible offense with with like one good running back, and yeah, like you, you have to have a competent quarterback. But then had like a defense with two Hall of Famers, and it was just one of the best units in NFL history. So the Bears don't have one of the best units in NFL history. One of their defenses, but I will say their defense is a top five defense in the league. The offense has shown at times that it can score when it really wants to, but I can't see this offense winning us playoff games, and that's the problem. Because when the defense fails, you need to play from behind, and this is a team that, even though they have two big comeback wins in the playoffs, they are not equipped to play from behind. All right, Jason, let's bring in another set of eyes on this Bears team. Former college All-American. Gosh, I knew him when he was just a just a, a young pup and came in, you know, and was was not really talkative and really didn't trust anyone in the media. Now he's a member of the media, six-time Pro Bowl center, 14-year NFL veteran, now a Bears analyst on 670, The Score Radio in Chicago, and NBCChicago.com. Olin Kurtz, welcome to the Sportscaster and her son. How are you, Olin? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, we're good. We're good. So I, I got to ask you, okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This whole winning ugly with the Bears, um, I I have a problem with people were ripping on me on Twitter, no surprise, uh, after the Bears beat the Panthers because I said, listen, this I saw I saw a team that is on the verge of being good. I didn't say the offense was on the verge of being good, but a team there was there's a little things that they're they're still stupid mistakes and things like that. But Olin, for years we complained that the Bears team couldn't close out games. Now there's a team that's figuring out how to win and yet no one's happy. It's winning ugly. What do you think? Yeah, I was I watched Nick Foles press conference and he, you know, he got he got emotional over being questioned about them not being very good. And I think Coach Nagy was irritated too. And like you know, Peggy, my my answer was uh, welcome to Chicago when you play offense <laughs> with a really good defense, right? So um, they'll get used to it. it. You know, as long as you win games, um, nothing else really does matter. I mean, obviously, when you look at them from an analyst standpoint, you're wondering when they get into that game where or if an offense does score 21 points early or three touchdowns, can we score 28 to 30 points, which they have. Uh, I think against the Falcons, they put up 30 points, but the Falcons are the worst defense in the NFL. But um, they're like you said, Peggy, when you watch that defense, uh, they're extremely good. And they got one thing 
that a lot of good teams and teams that have success with the formula of the defense wins games, they create chaos for the quarterback and they speed up uh, the offense's clock, which creates turnovers. So uh, that defense, to me on film, looks dominant. Now, it's only been six weeks, but uh, that secondary, the funny thing about the defense side and how good they've been playing is that secondary is playing really well also. So, so you know, in golf, we love to say there's no pictures on the scorecard. I don't care how you got that birdie. A birdie is a birdie. A win is a win. But I, we would all love for it to be beautiful and to be, you know, them to be a, a great, well-oiled machine. But how long can they sustain this throughout the rest of the NFL season? We're about to find out really quickly here, right? We got the Rams, we got the Saints, and we got the Titans all in a row. And I think the Vikings and Packers are coming up after that. So um, we're going to see if that defense can carry them. You kind of figured going into the year, the defense would have to carry them. They would have to create turnovers to give this offense opportunities. And also, even when they scored one time against uh, – who did they just play? Now I don't know why it's slipping my mind, but it, you know it was a, it was a missed field goal. They missed a long. They went for a long field goal, and it gave the offense good field position. So uh, those are things that the off, this offense is going to need to score points. But we've seen this formula work before in not only for the Bears but in the NFL. We've seen it with the Baltimore Ravens. The thing that worries you is Coach Nagy doesn't seem to want to be that ball control, uh, run the ball, control the clock offense, uh, play try to complement your very good defense. So we'll see. That's, I think, what worries people when you watch the Bears. It's okay. We've seen this formula work, but we haven't seen this kind of offense work with a great defense. So that's the kind of thing we're, we're worried about. Uh, I think with this defense, my personal opinion, they can definitely compete at least in the NFC uh, with any team that's out there right now. You mentioned the upcoming schedule for the Bears, Packers and Vikings. Still a couple weeks away, but I think early on, what I have been able to take away from the start from this season is that the NFC North looks much weaker than normal. So do you think that this is going to be the year where the Bears can finally take advantage of a weaker pool of teams in their, in their own division and end up winning the division? Yeah, I think they're right there, right? My problem, of course, is the Packers up north, and, and they, look, they look like a very good, formidable team, even though the Tampa Bay just took them apart. But um, that's what, you know, we were just talking about with Peggy was, look, the Bears, the last two times they played the Packers, I think it's the first time they scored a touchdown was after eight quarters, right, within the fourth quarter of their second game. So uh, Pettin has had Nagy's number the last couple of times, and the Bears, you know, last year to open the NFL season, uh, they only scored three points, and then they couldn't score up there in Green Bay either, although they had a ton of injuries going into that game, uh, especially on offense. I think they're on their third or fourth tight end. Cornelius Lucas was starting at right tackle. Uh, Coward was starting at right guard. And there's the problem, again, is that James Daniels goes out. So um, I think it's going to be against uh, the Packers. and uh, You know, it's going to be between the Packers and the Bears. Obviously, uh, the Lions look all right. But I, I think the Bears can beat the Lions as long as the defense stays, stays healthy. So it's a year they can't do it. But they're going to have to show uh, us uh, that they can play against the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, when facing Packers, you have a big disadvantage no matter who is under center for the Bears at the quarterback position. Do you think that Nick Foles is going to be the quarterback that finally pushes the Bears over the hump and wins the playoff game, just like what he did against the Bears two years ago? 
Well, Nick Foles, you know, I've been hoping for a little more out of Nick Foles since he became the Bears quarterback. I think everybody's starting to see that the Bears' problem really is uh, they don't have a lot of explosive players on their offense, and they have an either average to below average offensive line right now uh, with the way they're playing. So um, I want to say yes. Uh, my best guess would be no. My best guess would be no. They're, they're not going to uh, get over the hump and beat the Packers this year. But uh, – to your the end, ending part of your last question was, can they win a playoff game? I think with the addition of two playoff teams this year, I think they could definitely uh, sneak into the playoffs and win a game. Uh, just depends on who the matchup is, right? You always have to think about when you get to the playoffs, you have to think about matchups. And the teams that give the Chicago Bears a problem would be a team like the New Orleans Saints. And, and the reason I say that is they have an offensive line that can match up with the Bears' defensive line. Uh, you know, to get the ball out quick, Drew Brees does. They run the ball pretty well. And then they have Michael Thomas, who can take the top off of your defense. So uh, they can avoid a team like that, get a team with a weak offensive line. Like, if you go back to 2018 and you think about when they went up to Minnesota and they played Minnesota up there, and if they, if, if they would have sat their starters that week, the Bears would have, they would have played Minnesota in the first round of playoffs. Instead, they beat them and they play the Eagles. The Eagles, even though they weren't really good that year with Nick Foles at quarterback, they had a good offensive line. They went up, they end up winning 17 to 16. So if they can get a good matchup heading into the playoffs, I think they definitely can win a playoff game. I want to get into the offensive line here in a second, but back to the point about Nick Foles, like Jason was just saying. Um, I don't know where the Bears stand, Olin, in yards after the catch. I don't, but the the lack of an explosive player, um, they don't have that downfield threat, and and it worries me that in the second half of the season, all these teams are going to all they have to do is look at the film and know that the Bears don't have anyone downfield. There isn't anyone that's really breaking tackles for twenty yard gains, anything like that, and so they're going to force Nick Foles to go downfield and. And I think that that's what worries me. You know, how what if you were sitting in the, that film room and you're watching at Nick Foles running the offense and the lack of any kind of explosive threats? What are you going to do? Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, Peggy, because I was watching the game uh, with a defensive coach. And at the end of the game, he looked at me and he said, you know, the problem with the Bears is like if I'm formulating a game plan, they don't really scare me at all. So mm -hmm. just the thing you just said, right? Guys just said, cornerbacks start sitting uh, shorter and shorter. The uh, safety start creeping up. And we've seen that the first two weeks, I think people came out and, and they thought Coach Nagy would throw the ball over the field, the uh, Lions and the Giants. And they gave the Bears the run because they're worried about the pass. Well, the Falcons decided to, in the second, about midway through the second quarter, said, you know what? I want to throw run blitzes and run stunts at these guys and see what they got. And, and until the Falcons got injuries across their, their secondary, uh, it was working. They were shutting the Bears' offense down, and the Bears have seen that ever since. They've seen guys load the box, throw run blitzes at them, shut their run down, and they haven't been able to get behind uh, any secondaries for an explosive play. And the, funny thing, and, and the funny thing you have to think about, too, is that a guy like Darnell Mooney, who has gotten behind the defense, then the offensive line gets a little leaky and they don't have enough time. So they got to figure those things out. But if you just go across the Bears' depth chart and just go per guy for guy, they lost Tariq Cohen. 
um, and they lost James Daniels. And if you ask me, James Daniel was, was their second best football player on an offense with not a lot of talent. So now their talent drops off even more. So where do they find these guys? I don't really know. It's not like, it's not like they're out there. Um, you know, Cordero Patterson's a guy, I guess they could try to get into some matchups. I would like to see them start Cole Komet at tight end. I think he just kind of breaks some of your tendencies and he can do both of what Demetrius Harris and Jimmy Graham do. So now the defense doesn't know if you're running or passing. So, um, you know, in a long answer, I don't know, really know where they find their guys to, to get explosive plays. Back to our conversation in a minute. But first, have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. All right, let's look at the offensive line. You mentioned how James Daniels, he was the uh, left guard, the starter, out now uh, with a pec injury, out for the season. Rashad Coward comes in, and he has struggled. Um, But let's not forget, he's only been playing offensive line for, what, two years now? He's not Big Cat Williams. He's getting tangled up in his footwork. Is he the only problem? What are you seeing as... Uh, you know, a 14-year center in the NFL. What are you seeing with this offensive line? Well, yeah, just like you mentioned about Rashad Coward, first of all, you know, the guy moves from undrafted D-tackle to right tackle, and then they put him at right guard last year after Kyle Long's injuries. Ted Larson goes out. Then they, then all of a sudden, James Daniels goes down, and then they say, okay, you know what, we're going to try you at left guard. <laughs> and his first start, you know, people will say, like, well, uh, Rashad Coward, uh, got blown up. And I always tell people, Peggy, I say, who he got blown up by matters now. He <laughs> he got blown up by Derek Brown, the seventh pick of the draft, right? Okay, so an undrafted guy, uh, if you're just betting in Vegas, what's the odds in that matchup? Uh, probably <laughs> probably favors Derek Brown very heavily. So, uh, you know, the Bears' offensive line overall going into the season, I thought if they played average to above average football, that was a win for the Bears because – they don't have a lot of resources or a lot of money uh, spent on that offensive line. Uh, you know, some of it is uh, they gave them the draft picks for Cleo Mack. Some of it is the way they decide to build their team. So, look, uh, why is the Bears' D-line so good? Well, on a very good D-line, they gave Robert Quinn $70 million and added to it, okay? The Bears' offensive line, we all know, needed help. So they went out and got Jermaine Effetti for league minimum. So now, now we're not very confused at why the Bears' offensive line <laughs> is not playing great football right now right and it's just uh, it, even when I when I used to play for the Bears for years people would ask me that question what's wrong with the Bears offensive line and and trying to be a good teammate I wouldn't say a word but my, what I wanted to say was 
have you looked at the draft picks since we got here? Right? Have you have you looked at who we've signed? I remember in 2009, the offensive line was terrible, and and I had a conversation with someone in the building. I said, we gotta, we really need to improve our offensive line. We're gonna get Jay Cutler killed here. And so what they did is they went on inside Julius Peppers. <laughs> so yeah. They put another Hall of Famer on the defense of Brian Erlacher, and then the questions continued the next year. Why is your offensive line so bad? And I just keep looking at the people who would ask the questions and think, man, I mean, all you have to do is look at draft picks and look at who we signed as free agents, and you figure out why we don't play very good ball on this side of the line. Yeah, they're buying Toyotas on the offensive line and Porsches on defense. So it's a little, <laughs> right. it's a little different. Right. Sorry about that. Jason, go ahead. With the exception of the offensive line, which what other unit on the entire team do you think needs to improve the most in order for the Bears to validate their their good start? You know what I what I like to see an improvement on is David Montgomery just or somebody I don't know who they would get Arcavius Pierce or or Cordero Patterson or so you know what I'm what I'm getting to is when the, when the offense line does give you a hole you have to hit it right. And, and here's the problem with David Montgomery, even if, you know, I love the way he plays. Uh, he's not going to break two or three tackles and go to the house. So um, the Bears are missing that kind of player. I'd like to see them improve their, with their running game and their offensive line working together. Because, look, guys, here's the, here's the honest truth about the Bears' offense. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm an expert on this. There's not a lot of talent there. And they have to <laughs> – they have to get in there a room somewhere, and they have to admit that to themselves. So when you don't have to have a lot of talent, you you have to be all in. And by that, I mean you have to concentrate on your details. You have to give maximum effort on every play. Uh, you have to be better than the sum of your parts. So when you ask me where they have to improve by position-wise, uh, what they have to do is they have to improve. All 11 guys have to be a well-oiled machine or this offense really doesn't have a chance. So um, they have to go in every time thinking this is a gang fight. It's us 11 working together to move this ball down the field, do everything right. For example, you cannot on 34 come across the middle on a cross route like Miller did and then run backwards. You can't do that, okay? Uh, the offensive line has to be able to recognize run blitzes, uh, pick them up, and give their running back a crease. And the only way you pick a run blitz up is you all work together really, really well. What do you think it's going to take? Because clearly, no matter how many times you win, and like you said earlier, like I think all that matters at the end of the day is just win. And the Bears have done that so far, with the exception of the game against the uh, against the Colts. So what do you think the Bears have to do other than just win to finally make the fans happy? Because although I'm not in Chicago, from what my mom and some of my friends have been saying, it seems like people still can't, like, can't just be happy with a good start. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's just a Bears fan, right? I played it for 13 years, and I, you know, you understand that. And uh, sometimes these these new guys coming from out of town, like a Nick Foles, and they can't understand it. But it's it's just the way it is, right? And uh, what they're gonna, you know, what the what the Chicago fans want to see, obviously, is uh, an offense that puts up 24 to 30 points a game, like everybody else is in the NFL. And then a defense dominate like they have been. But uh, my guess is you're only going to get that if you get a bunch of turnovers and the ball starts popping out. But uh, the problem is that happened last week and the Bears offense still didn't look really good. So uh, if you're waiting for the offense to look really good, look, they played some really bad defenses and still haven't put the ball in the end zone, still haven't moved the ball, 
consistently on the field. So I think we're pretty much looking at identity-wise uh, what this team is for the rest of the season. I love the Spurs defense. I think everybody loves the Spurs defense. There is, I don't know what you can complain about with the Spurs defense. They've only given up eight touchdowns and 19 points a game. I mean, that's nine touchdowns, 18 field goals. This is, their numbers are amazing. And I almost look at it like the first couple of games, they felt like they were in preseason mode. They they were kind of getting into shape, uh, especially Robert Quinn. But now between Quinn and Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack, uh, the pressure that they're getting up front, allowing the guys in the back to make the plays and they're making the plays. It, this is like old bear football that everybody loves. But I want to ask you, cause I know we only have a, a minute or two left. I want to ask you this, Olin, the penalties. I have a different, I have kind of a, boxing uh, mentality when it comes to, to penalties. Like, yes, they can be stupid. And yes, the Bears are like tied for last uh, or tied for the top with the most penalties, whatever, in the NFL. Um, they can be stupid. Too many men in the huddle. Stupid, stupid, stupid. We know that Nagy isn't trying to, you know, pull something over in a Bill Belichick kind of way. Those are just stupid. Penalties on defense? Well, this is how I feel. Like, late hits, roughing the passer, unnecessary roughness. I know... We're trying to protect the safety of the players. But, you know, Olin, sometimes those are wake-up calls that you kind of need to put in the head of an offensive player that, holy shit, these guys can hit. And and almost to the point where they're going to start hearing footsteps. And, and I, I, it doesn't bother me as much what's happening with Kyle Fuller. The only thing you don't want to happen is for the refs to start labeling you as one of those guys, and now they start looking for it. Right, but but the good thing is if the refs break down film like they we know they do, uh, they'll see that that he's not being dirty. He's actually um, trying to hit them with perfect fundamentals, with his shoulder. He's got his head out of there. So hopefully the refs see that they're making the mistake there. And you're you're totally correct about this defense, man. They are fun to watch. Um, their defensive line, you know, we all know the names: Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, and Robert Quinn. But this Mario Edwards. Uh, I, I watched the game against the Panthers. He beat the left guard three times in a row. So uh, they're going to win there. If guys like Mario Edwards or Roy Robinson Harris or Brett Urban are going to win their one-on-one matchups, uh, this D-line is going to be unstoppable, Peggy, to be honest with you. So, um, yes, you want your defense playing on the edge a little bit. And, honestly, I'd, I'd like to see a, a personal fall from an offensive lineman eventually. And just they, they get that kind of mentality, too, where they're hustling down the field, cleaning off the pile, giving max effort. Uh, definitely, I am not worried about Kyle Fuller, actually. I mean, he's playing at a very high level. Uh, he's very smart. He takes advantage of uh, – he knows how good that defensive line is. So he takes cal- calculated chances on just sitting on routes. He knows that the receiver doesn't have a lot of time to run double moves. So he sits there in his zone. He knows the ball's got to come out. And then he just hunts the guys crossing over the middle and puts very good hits on them. Uh, you, you know, you could say he was there a little early. Uh, in that, you know, the one Eddie Jackson picked it off and went to the end zone. But you could also argue that that doesn't get called very often in the NFL. So uh, I'm hoping just a little bit of uh, bad luck there on the calls from the referees because both they could have gone either way. Uh, but this defense, I don't think you worry about it. I think they just keep playing exactly the, the way they've been playing. And a guy that, that needs to be mentioned besides Jalen Johnson, who's playing really well for a rookie, is Tayshaun Gibson. They added him to the secondary with Eddie Jackson. And those two guys, I wouldn't be surprised if the 
secondary experts, guys like Matt Bowen, or these guys who work for ESPN, I wouldn't be surprised if they say that uh, Gibson and Jackson uh, are the best safety combination in the league by the end of the year. Wow. Hey, uh, you're, I think you're right, too. I think they're missing a Kyle Long little scruff, you know, that kind of that fire on the offensive line at times. Mm-hmm. All right. We're, we're just about out of time, but I just have one comment to say. And um, Olin, the Bears signed Manti Teo this past week. Mm-hmm. And I just got to mm-hmm. say that 15 years ago, you and your teammates would have had a field day in the in the locker room with a Manti Teo. That's all <laughs> no, I'm going to say. I, you know, I would have left Manti alone since he is from the great state of Hawaii. Oh. Uh, probably would have helped him out a little bit. Oh. Maybe tease him a little bit on the side. But um, <laughs> uh, that is a very – I know a lot of that – I know too much of that story that I, I would not like to know. And uh, it's a very interesting story. But glad to see that the young man has come through it. And hopefully his career – he gets his career back on track in the NFL. Oh, man, it sounds like a story over a drink. I can't wait to hear it uh, one day. <laughs> no, you probably need like three or four drinks. <laughs> Olin, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We, we The Bears are, are – are, we're 7-1 and one back in 2012. We know what happened. Missing the playoffs and Lovey Smith got fired. And I think all Bears fans are hoping that it, it doesn't happen and that they can um, – continue to improve the rest of the season. Thank you for taking the time to join us, Olin. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All righty. Thank you. I'll tell you what, Olin is really becoming a very good analyst. He's uh, got great eyes on the game, great personality. Uh, It's always a joy to talk to him. Um, Let's see. Hey, Jason, it's time for your predictions. What do you got? Hey, Peggy. Uh, I do have three predictions for us. Um, I would say to my first one, I don't know when MLB free agency is going to start, but I will say that the White Sox are going to sign Trevor Bowers. They're going to break the bank. First $100 million plus deal in team history. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be crazy. This coincides with my second prediction that they are not going to hire Tony LaRusa. I don't know where that came from. So hiring a 76-year-old to manage one of the youngest teams in baseball just sounds really counterintuitive to me. Um, my third prediction is that the Bulls, when the NBA draft comes, I believe it's in two weeks, two, three weeks, uh, they're going to draft LaMelo Ball. So lots of exciting names going to be coming to Chicago. Lots of lots of turnover between the Blackhawks and the Bulls and the White Sox. Um, it'll, it'll be a very interesting winter, even though we're really not going to see Chicago sports except for the Bears over the winter. I love it. Hey, it seems like it's been forever since we all faced the first shutdowns of our cities due to the coronavirus pandemic. (laughs) And now you have your second, and I'm living in beautiful Austin, Texas, and we don't have to worry about a thing. Oh, come on. But here's my final thoughts. That was back in March for all of us. And Jason, you sound like a whole different person. You were down in the dumps. You were depressed that there was no sports, no college basketball tournament. Uh, All the games were put on hold, open day for baseball was ruined everything now it's seven months later and we're facing what they are calling the second wave here in the midwest and just like the squirrels and all the other animals we too are starting to hunker down for a long winter it's not going to be easy because i have to tell you something i had a great summer 
Honestly, I cannot remember the last time. I truly, truly enjoyed being outside whenever I could. I played a ton. Yes, I played a ton of golf. I played a ton of golf. Had the best year of my life. I was down to a, what was I down to? A, a 13 handicap, which was way too low for me. I don't know, but let me let me just interject really quick. All, I, I just remember three, four times a week over the summer, Shay coming downstairs like 11.30 being like, Where's mom? I'd be like, where, I'd be like, where the hell do you think she is? So, it was, listen, mom? we were given, we were given the opportunity to be outdoors in some fashion, uh, playing golf, being on an outdoor patio, eating at a restaurant that had outdoor seating. It's one thing that the pandemic has done, and it's made all of us grateful for what we do have. I truly appreciate the restaurant industry workers who are still hanging on by a thread to their businesses, but became really creative and worked tirelessly to give us all a place to be friends and and to be social. To the golf courses that changed how they did business again so people could enjoy things outside. I don't know what the next few months are going to bring, but it feels an awful lot like it did a few months ago. A bit helpless until, as Mike Ditka said after he was fired in 1993, this too shall pass. Hang in there, everybody, and we will hang with you. Our thanks again to Olin Krutz, former Chicago Bear, now heard on WSCR Radio 670 The Score and NBC Sports Chicago Bears coverage. You can follow him on Twitter at Olin underscore Krutz. Jason? And you, and you know what, Mom? I have great news. We are now a member of the Barroom Network, home to the Chicago Pro Football Podcast, found wherever you listen, as well as the Barroom Network on YouTube. And also, please do not forget that you can find the podcast website at thesportscasterandherson.com. Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest. Hey, thank you all for listening. A reminder, if you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash sportscaster and follow the simple instructions. Thank you, everyone. Stay safe. Goodbye. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.